This is the Magellan Circle Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate through EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics, such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this episode, we speak to Nick Delmere, coordinator of the Inland Waterways Transport Platform, as well as the project coordinator of the New Horizon Europe project, Renew, where Magellan is also a partner. Hello, good morning, Nick, and thank you for joining us in the Magellan Circle podcast. Can you please, to begin with, briefly present yourself and your role in the European Inland Waterway Transport Platform? Good morning. Thank you for giving us the possibility to have this podcast. My name is Nick Delmere, and I'm the coordinator of the European Inland Waterway Transport Platform, a platform which was started during the year 2018, but really got operational as from uh, January 1st, uh, 2019. That's also the day when I started my job there. And previously, I worked for the European Shippers Council. So basically, I shifted from the shipper side to the skipper side. And the IWT platform converged the barge union and the skipper association interest. Can you explain to us what are they and how this is beneficial at the European industry and policy level? Well, this takes me a bit longer to explain, but I gave it a try. There are two stories that in the end came together. One part of the one story one is that there are indeed two associations, lobby associations at European interest, which do represent interests of barge operators, barge owners. So barge operators, owners are those companies that transport people and goods on European waterways. Now, one association, EBU, was taking care, let's say, of the bigger companies in this industry. And the other one, ESO, European Skippers Organization, took care of the smaller companies. Uh, let me call them for the sake of easiness, mom and dad shops. That's story number one. Story number two is that in the 90s, there was too much capacity in the industry. So European Commission came with a regulation saying that those people who wanted to step out of the business got a bonus. So if they handed in their vessel, they got kind of a bonus or they get paid for it. If, on the other hand, people neglected this and increased their capacity, they would have to pay a fine to the European Commission. About two years later, three years later, the need for capacity increased and a lot of investors decided to go for extra capacity and did not mind to pay a fine. With these fines and some other arrangements, a big fund was created, but kind of put to sleep. EBU and ESO were well aware of this money, and somewhere in the course of 2015-2016, they started a campaign to release at least part of that money. And they finally succeeded, and they they managed to have a contract with DG Move that would release a certain amount of money and that something should be created that made good use of that money. Now, that something in the end became the European IWT platform, which is a foundation, not a membership association, but a foundation with two founders, one being EBU and the other one being ESO. Mm -hmm. So that's how the two stories came together. And it resulted in this platform I am now coordinating. 
Mm -hmm. And with respect to the policy dialogue, recently a great achievement has been made with the decision of the EU to adopt the NAYADES 3 action plan in the time frame of 2021 to 2027. Can you tell us what it is and what are the main desired outcomes of this action plan? So you are well aware of the initiatives the G Move as well as European Parliament have been taking or will take with regard to Green Deal, with regard to modal shift, with regard to smart and sustainable mobility. And if you go through all these documents, you will see that inland waterway transport has a role to play in there and has a challenge there as well. So for this transport mode, which is the smallest transport mode across Europe, we also have to go to zero emission by 2050. We also have to go for maximum digitalization. We have to increase our market share by 25% in 10 years from now, or even a little less, and 50% more by 2050. So just like any other transport mode. But these high-level documents, like the Green Deal or the ones I mentioned, do not cover precisely what needs to be done in inland waterway transport to achieve these objectives. Mm -hmm. The detailed objectives and how to get there are listed in this NAYADES 3 action plan. So if you go through it, you would find a lot of information on how to green the fleet, how to digitalize and what to digitalize, what to do with regard to modal shift. It is all well explained and it's translated in if something between 30 and 35 actions to be undertaken between now and a few years from now. Mm -hmm. And indeed, again, about the action plan, the two core of objectives that are in the plan are shifting more freight transport to inland waterways and setting the sector on an irreversible path to zero emissions. What are the means envisaged in order to reach such objectives? These are indeed the two core objectives, and they are at the same time an opportunity and a big challenge. An opportunity because indeed, if we succeed, our share or our visibility will be a lot bigger and we will contribute to a more climate-friendly environment. But the challenge is enormous. First of all, let me focus a bit on the greening of the fleet, which would need to be done by 2050 as well. Studies have been going on in the last few years to find out what it would take to bring the whole fleet, which is about 10,000 vessels, between now and 30 years to a level where there would be zero emission. So the study looked at which technologies and also looked what it would cost for the operators to invest. And when I say cost, it's not just the investment in, in the equipment, so not just the CAPEX, but also the OPEX. So it's the total cost of ownership. Calculations showed that if it's all being done, the TCO, compared to working, let's say, the, doing the business as usual, slowly going to a greener fleet, or to invest massively into a green fleet is it would lead to a price increase or a cost increase of let's say 20 to 25%. And the question there is who has the money to do so? And if they would have the money, would there be a return coming from, from the cargo, so to speak? Mm -hmm. So that's on the zero emission thing. On the modal shift, also, there is a challenge. As said, the transport mode is the smallest in Europe. 
something like 6% of the market share. A road has 75 and a rail has 19, so we have the remaining six. But this figure doesn't tell you a lot. It's an average across Europe. If you would look at Italy uh, and Spain, for example, the market share there is close to zero because there are no canals, there are no rivers or hardly any. If you would look at the Benelux and, and Germany, the market share is somewhere between 30 or 40 or even 50 percent. And if you would focus on, for example, the Rhine-Alp, yeah, what is it? Rhine-Alp-Tenti corridor, the market share is over 50%. So looking at that, increasing a market share of 0% with 25% or 50% would still be zero. And on the other hand, in the more central part of Europe, if you would have to, if you would increase, how to increase a market share by 25% if it's already 40 to 50%. It's hardly possible to do so. On top of that, if you want to increase the market share and this transport mode has no more possibility to transport fossil fuels, a big part of their market would already be gone. So you first have to lose, I would say, by the regulation that's coming up, you lose a part of the market and then you have to take it back by 25% or even 50%. So it causes some headaches and now we are trying to look on how to do it in cooperation with, uh, let's say, with the, with the Commission. And initiatives like a review of the combined transport directive would pro probably help trying to promote container barging will help. So there are a lot of possibilities, but it will take us a long time before we accomplish what the Commission wants us to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And coming back to your platform, IWT platform, it's driven by five different committees and each one has a different scope and objective. Can you explain briefly what are they about and how can they ensure the union's interests are implemented? The unions, you mean a European Union or the trade unions? Because that's a difference. Eh? But, but maybe we can explain for both. Okay, good. So indeed, we have five different committees and each of those, they, they touch upon essential parts of the inland waterway transport, let's say business, both from the employer side and the employee side, I would say. To start randomly, there's one committee dealing with the nautical and technical aspects of, of the vessel. So this has to do with how vessels need to be built or adapted or re retrofitted based on what, for example, the Rhine River Commission sets out as the specification for a vessel. So these are pure technical aspects. This goes hand, hand in hand with traffic regulation on the rivers in Europe. So how to comply with the traffic regulations and the policing that needs to be done on the rivers. A second committee deals with infrastructure and has a close look with what goes on in the 10T corridors. Does, do the 10T corridors give enough attention to what is needed for inland waterway transport? Isn't there too much of the project, uh, of the project money going to rail, for example? You probably heard about the low water level during the past summer. This mm -hmm. for us is also a topic of high importance and is treated in this infrastructure committee. 
A third committee is what we call safety and environment, but has nothing to do with the climate as such, but with the environment in which employees have to work with in when they have to deal with dangerous goods. So if they have to transport, load, unload chemicals, it's a serious concern and there is a lot of regulation there which needs to follow up from or monitored from, from very nearby. It also deals, this committee, with waste treatment. If a vessel sails on European waters, it creates a lot of waste. So how to deal with that is also a concern of this committee. And then the social and education committee, which basically is of interest to the European Union as well to the trade unions, deal with all kinds of regulation that deal with yeah, the working time on board of vessels, how big the crew should be, what the levels of, of qualification should be on board of a vessel, trying to stand at the qualifications of the different levels of people uh, across Europe, making sure if exams are needed across Europe to, to give, let's say, uh, diplomas to the different, for example, captains that have to run the vessels, try to make sure that these exams are aligned across Europe. Then jobs and skills. What do we need in the future? And there will be more automation on board of vessels. So how to deal with that? What will be the skills? What kind of people do we need? And then last but definitely not least, not least in this committee, how to attract more people to this transport mode. Just like any other of the transport modes, this is a serious, very serious concern. Mm -hmm. So, of course, how to deal yeah, manning regulation or, or crewing or crewing regulation, working time and so on, are, of course, of interest for the trade unions as well. So we are in constant negotiation or conversation with European Transport Federation, which is the European Union, let's say, trade union for transport. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the, the level of water, for example. So with the raising concerns on the climate change, inland transportation plays a delicate role. And indeed, the levels of water too high or too low put the sector in danger. And on the other hand, water transportation is considered the cleanest among all transport modes. What are your thoughts and hopes for the future? Well, the thought is that the serious attention should be given to the infrastructure of the rivers and the canals so that infrastructure can guarantee what we call a good navigation status. And good navigation status is all about the minimum water level, the width of the river or the width of the water level, so to speak, how wide is the, is the river so that vessels can, how do you say this in decent English, can pass, can pass each other. So one going up the river, one going down the river at the same time. So this needs to be taken care of. So it, that's all about infrastructure. The other thing is what we are hoping for or, or thinking of is yeah, the, how the vessel should look like. What we have seen in the past is that over the last 20 years, I would say vessels got bigger and bigger, which is, of course, uh, a difficulty when it comes to sailing in, in waters which have a too low level. So serious investigations and discussions are going on with respect to the size of the vessels so that they should be adapted. How can they be adapted to this uh, always returning low water levels during the summer? Mm -hmm. So that's basic, uh, the, basically the two lines of 
of thought. Redesigning vessels is clearly in the hands of the industry, I would say, with the help of shipyards. Infrastructure is more a matter of yeah, the member states and the, and the European institutions. And then it's easy to make, of course, the bridge to connecting Europe facility. Indeed, that was my next question about the facility and how it has been a great support to the sector, improving in infrastructure. And then, of course, about the new EU-funded EU funded project, Renew, which you are the coordinator of and whose aim is to implement such innovations to make the sector more resilient. Can you tell us a little bit more about this project as the last question for today? Let me start about the Renew project mm -hmm. and some others. So the Renew is clearly a project that deals with research and innovation and dedicated to, let's say, yeah, a high focus on inland uh, waterway transport. And with this new type of vessels that this project has the intention to develop further with this modular platforms, and the project is thinking about it it will indeed about making this industry much more resilient and make sure that this transport mode gets a, a better place in the whole chain. But these projects, like Renew, like IWNet, partly also like DT4GS and Novimar, Novimove, they are all still at the level of research projects. So not too much implementation, I would say or deployment, though there is a lot of funding for those who participate in those projects. But then you also mentioned connecting Europe facility, where is it where there is indeed a lot of money available, but which is a completely different ballgame. Connecting Europe facility has the biggest focus on all that has to deal with infrastructure, but not so much on vessels or new types of vessels. And if if it is the case, the funding is compared to, the, what is it, 20% of, of the cost. There are certain regulations which I don't know by heart, but compared to Horizon projects, like the Renew projects, the funding in a CEF project for, for a barge operator who is willing to invest in, uh, let's say, an eligible kind of vessel, the contribution of Europe is far too low. Mm -hmm. People are not really interested in doing that because the funding, as they say, is almost all eaten up by the administrative tasks you have to do in order to comply with the grant agreements. Mm -hmm. So if we purely look at CEF from an uh, industry perspective, it's mixed feelings. So that's, okay. uh, that would be my take on, let's say, Horizon and, and CEF of Connecting Europe facilities. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for this interesting conversation. And I wish you all the best of luck with the new project, Renew, that is starting officially next month. And have a nice day. Thank you very much. And if you wish me success, you wish yourselves also success since you are together in this project. Indeed. Thank you. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan Circle, visit our website at www.magellancircle.eu.